Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. I want you to know that, and we're very thankful that you are here. If this is your first time here, we want to get to know you. And we're hoping and praying that as you're coming, that you'll see why we love this church so, so very, very much. Let's go ahead and start by prayer. Lord, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to be able to worship you tonight, to learn from your Bible and your word of what you not just wanted for the church in Philippi, but also for the church here at New Vision. So Lord, speak through me, let it not be of me, and open up the hearts and the ears of the people to receive your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So the title of tonight's sermon is called A Passion for Prayer. And we're gonna be looking at the book of Philippians, chapter one, verses nine through 11. So when you get a chance, open your Bibles to Philippians, chapter one, verse nine through 11. And when you get there, say amen. Amen, you guys are fast. So let me ask you a question to start off. How is your prayer life? Do you have a passion for prayer? You know, most of the time when I ask somebody, you know, how's your prayer life? I usually hear the same thing. Oh, pastor, 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 I pray every day. Matter of fact, I pray all day, every day. And when I hear that, I used to think about, well, that's impossible. But Saturday morning, I was sitting on my couch. I was drinking my coffee, and I was in my prayer time, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I literally try to focus on all day praying. And as I'm still doing my life, but as I'm doing my life, I'm consciously trying to stay in prayer. Like, God, what do you want me to do here? Okay, that good? Okay, Lord, I need to work on this. I need to do that. Oh, hey, help me do this. And I found out that when we constantly do that, we constantly try to meditate on his word, and we constantly try to focus and being in alignment with the Father and his will, we make better decisions. And I started doing that, and, and I was, like, overwhelmed by the outcome that I said, you know what, I'm going to start trying to do this from now on. And as I was starting to think more about it, I started thinking about Jesus. Jesus was always in line with the Father, praying with the Father. Paul, Paul was always praying too. Prayer was essential to them. Matter of fact, Martin Luther once quoted, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is communication with God. It's communication with our maker, the person who created the heavens and the earth, the person who gives us life, the person who can say yes to every need that we have. And passion, passion is something that that we have when we really, really, really care about something. When something just totally moves us, we, we have to know more about it. We have to go the extra distance. We have to go farther. So when we are praying with passion, 
We are praying with entrance. We are praying with intention. I believe Paul did that when he was writing to the church in Philippi. So turn your Bibles to, where are you there? To verse 9, it says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So before we dig into this, I want to give you a little context so you understand why Paul was writing this and, and what the kind of the context was. You see, the church of Philippi was a Roman colony. And Paul, as he's writing this love letter to the church of Philippi, the church of Philippi had a special interest in Paul's heart because Paul planted this church himself. Matter of fact, it wasn't just a church he planted, but this was the first church that he planted in Europe. And Philippi was doing some major things, growing in their faith, and he saw that. And Paul loved that. As a pastor with a shepherd's heart, when you are pouring into somebody and they're receiving it and you see them going the extra mile for Jesus, it's just something that's like, yes, yes, that's what I've been wanting. That's what I've been praying for for this person. You know, it's crazy because this is one of the prison epistles. And when Paul was first going there, Paul was jailed for exercising a demon out of a fortune-telling slave girl. And guess what he did? He prayed. And you know what happened when he prayed? It was an earthquake. And all the jails, all the bars, everything opened up. The shackles opened up. The church was founded off prayer. It was their lifeline. If a church is not about prayer, that church is dead. There's no life in the church. A lot of times we look at churches that are dying. I have to question, what is their prayer life like? When I look at people and their faith is just going downhill, what is their prayer life like? Because when we're connected to the source, when we have a relationship, we're in constant communication, when we're constantly getting filled up by our Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit fills us up and we are powered, we are filled up. But when we're not praying, we're not communicating, we're not Connected to the source, we're doing everything on our own power. And guess what happens? We crash. You know, I want to read the verse before in verse 8. I know, I know Pastor Pete touched on this yet, uh, last week. But sometimes you won't know the reason why somebody's doing something until you understand the passion that they have behind it. And I think verse 8 really describes that passion. And so we read verse 8, and it says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The word yearn, or otherwise translated as long after, means to strain or reach. And it gives this illustration of, picture you're an athlete and you're in a race, and you're winning, you, you, you've been running as fast as you can, and you're literally almost at the finish line, and you're about to get it, you can see it. But then all of a sudden, you hear some footsteps. 
right behind you. And they're getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, you look back, and they're almost there. And you look at that finish line. All of a sudden, you want that finish line with every bone in your body, every nerve, every muscle. You're going to give it all you got. Sometimes, that's what our prayer life needs to look at. Sometimes, we got to want something so bad that we're going to give it all we got. You know, too many times as Christians, something goes wrong in our life. And we say a prayer, and it doesn't happen right away, so we just give up. I wonder if God's like, that's all you got? I thought you really, really wanted this. We just got, that, that's it? Sometimes we got to pray. We got to yearn it. We got to want it so bad that we got to keep on knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking until that door opens up. There has to be a passion behind our prayer. And I believe Paul had that passion behind his prayers. Matter of fact, a little side note, if you ever read first, uh, uh, Philippians 1, 9 through 11, but also read it with Colossians 1, 9 verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, they're almost exactly identical. You know what that tells me? Paul was constant when it came to the matter of spiritual growth and praying for it. This was very important to Paul. Paul had a heart for people like we learned last week. And because he had a heart for people, he had a heart for prayer. And that heart just doesn't come from anybody. That heart doesn't come. It's not normal for people to have that type of heart for other people. That type of heart has to come from Christ himself. It's a shepherd's love. When a shepherd feels the burden for the sheep, he cares for the sheep. You know, as a pastor, we care about the people who at this church. We care for the loss. We care for the burden. Matter of fact, pastor means shepherd. Our heart literally beats for you guys. I don't know if you know that, because sometimes we go to church and we're like, oh yeah, maybe you had a bad experience with a pastor. Maybe he wasn't a shepherd. And maybe you got some church hurt. But here at New Vision, our heart beats for this congregation. Literally. When, 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 when it's just beating, you think, okay, we're at Bible study. They're doing a good job. Everything's going good. But then, oh, man, Sam, Sam just went back into addiction. Now, now, all of a sudden, the heart's beating faster because you're worried about Sam. Always go, okay, okay, he's in celebrate recovery. Okay, he's reading his Bible again. Okay, okay. Oh, phew. Oh. Tina just lost her daughter. Oh, man, what is she going through right now? I wonder if she's okay. Our heart's just beating faster and faster. Okay, we're going to pray for her. We're going to pray for her. We're just taking her through counseling. She's doing good. Okay, she's glorious. Okay, man, it's a test. Oh, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul did. Paul looked at the Philippians, and he cared about them so much that he prayed for them constantly. All the churches that he wrote letters, if you look at them closely, a lot of them are prayers for them. Often, sometimes, the best way that we can influence somebody is not to try to talk them into something or talk them out of something. It's to pray for them. You should try it sometime. Husbands or wife, if you're having difficulties with your spouse, try praying for them. If you got that coworker that's always gossiping all the time and you just can't, you just can't stand them and you just want to tell them something, instead of doing that, just pray for them. Or if you got that family member that just, man, just can't get it together. 
Start praying for them. Start praying like you never prayed for anything before in your life. You see, our concern for others must first start with prayer. When we are passionate for prayer, we are passionate for what we care about. So Paul is going to talk pray about two things. The first thing he's going to do, if you, if you got notes, we'll look at number one. It's going to say, a passion for prayer, or excuse me, a passion to pray for growing love. A passion to pray for growing love. Everybody turn to verse 9. We're going to read the first half of it. It says, and it is my prayer that your love, in this term, the Greek word is agape, which is a sacrificial love. It is my prayer that your love may abound or grow more and more. You see, the term more and more is an expression that is built layer by layer, which is making a point. It's never stopping. It's always growing. We're always trying to learn more and more and be more and more with God's type of love, with his agape love in our life for others. But he got some specific. You know, it's one thing to pray for someone, which is a good thing when you pray for people. A lot of times it's in general, right? I pray for this person. I pray for that person. I hope to do. But it's another thing to be specific. What exactly can I pray for you about? By getting personal with them. What in your life do you need me to personally pray for you about? So it's that one thing that you can target on and really, really get in your spot with God and pray and pray. Pastor Pete talked about this morning about having your private area with God your private time, where you're away from everybody, and just start praying for that. Also, here's something that we've all done, but if you ever say you're going to pray for someone, actually do it. Too many times as Christians, we say that. We hear something going on with someone. I'm going to pray for you. Or, or on Facebook or text, praying emoji. But then we go about our day like nothing ever happened. And then we forget about it and we don't do it. Instead, I challenge you with this. The next time you say you're actually going to pray for someone, actually do it right then and there. You know what? Let me just pray for you right now. Lord, and whatever they need prayer for, that's what you pray for about. Number 1A. Let's see if you're taking notes. And I encourage it. It helps you memorize better. This is what he prayed for, an environment for growing love. So you're praying for growing love, but in other words, how do we implement that? Sometimes when you pray for someone, you got to know, like, how do we do that? What, what's the application for it? Well, verse B, it, show, it shares it with us. He says, with knowledge and all discernment. See, knowledge is both intellectual and experiential. What I mean by sometimes with knowledge, you can learn from books and, and sermons and, and podcasts, seminars. But experience is another level too. You can learn a lot from experiencing something. But when you put those two together, you get a greater knowledge. Discernment, well, that connotes moral sensitivity. So basically, when you learn something, then you can use discernment on it to see what is the right choice or the best course of action for it? 
So when you love something, you have truth and love. It becomes a balance. How many know you can't have love without truth? And you can't have truth without love. And so when we put both of those together, knowledge and discernment together, it provides a collective environment that fosters growth in the person. And as Christians, we must always be growing, not only in our mind, but also in our heart. See, one of the key aspects of growing is trusting God through experience, when you learn, when you go through hard times, and you pray, and God gets you through it. It might not be the exact thing you pray for, but he gets you through it. You learn to grow with faith. And thus, when you read his word, you get to grow in knowledge. You know, if you haven't took our one-on-one discipleship, we have a great thing that shows uh, years of being a Christian and trials gain spiritual growth. The more years you go through trials, the more your faith will increase. Number one, C, what is the result of a growing love? In 10, it says, so that you may approve what is excellent. You see, while Paul is saying this, he's envisioning mature Christians in the future. Like Pastor Marco said, at this time, they weren't the maturest Christians, but he's seeing growth already. And he's praying for them because he wants them to continue to grow because he's so happy that they've been growing because he's been pouring in. He's invested into them. He's planted seeds. He's watered them. And God's making it grow. So he's praying that God will continue to make this harvest grow. And as he's yearning for this, he continues to pray. You see, the more Christians grow in their understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, the more they begin to increasingly affirm and practice what is excellent. Now, I know you might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Sean, what's excellent? I'm glad you asked. What's excellent is knowing the difference between right and wrong. Knowing between good and bad. Knowing what's, what's trivial and what's vital. See, a lot of times we got to make decisions and choices in our life to exclude the stuff that's trivial that don't even matter in our life and focus on what really matters. We have to make decisions in our life, and prayer helps us do that. We have to start asking questions. Like, remember how I was talking about, you know, praying every second? Then when you get to a situation, ask, Lord, is this harmful for me, or is this actually going to benefit me? Then you get to the next situation. Lord, is this going to draw me closer to you or is this going to turn me away from you? Matter of fact, that question right there you could probably use for every decision in your life. Does this draw me closer to God or is it going to pull me farther away from God? Number two, a passion for prayer is a complete character. This is the second thing he prayed for. He prayed for a love, a growing love that abounds and also for a complete character. And it says in the second part of verse 10, so that you may approve, excuse me, and that so you may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Pure is personal integrity. To be blameless is good character that outlasts any outstations. No matter what other people say about you, no matter what other people do, we must live a blameless life. 
where people can't throw accusations at us, say things about us, because other people say, no, that's not true. I know Camille. No. Whatever you said about him, no, that's not true. That's a good man of God right there. Or I know Pastor Marcos. We must always live that life to the best of our ability. You know, and as it's going in there, when it, it says, so that you may, or excuse me, uh, so that you may be pure and blameless, another translation actually throws in it the word judge somehow. And what I learned about that was they're referring to a reference of holding something up to the sunlight for inspection. You know when you hold something up to the sunlight to see if it's real or not, to inspect it because you can see it, you're in the light? And if Jesus said he was the light, I started thinking about when we're living our lives, we shouldn't be afraid to be held up to the light for inspection. And see, Paul, as he was saying this, he's saying this in light that we as Christians will be held accountable for every action that we do because it says right here, may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It means one day, and I know some of you may not believe this or not, but one day we will be held accountable for every action, every word, every deed, every thought that we commit here on earth. Yeah, we'll still be saved. For Christians, we'll be saved, but we're still held accountable for that. And so we need to keep that in mind, and that right there should be a purifying thought for us and to live our lives. That should make us think before we make decisions. That should make us think the way we pray, maybe it should be a little bit different. You know, discerning what is best can help us produce some of the best character. But the fact is, how are we living right now? Are we living our life passionately for Christ? Are we praying every day? Are we asking God questions before we do it, or are we trying to do everything ourselves? How do we pray? You know, a lot of us, we have people in our life who maybe don't believe in God. How many people in here have somebody in their life who does not believe in Jesus Christ that they love? Raise your hand. Whether they're atheists or whether they believe in God, Mormonism, Muslim, Buddhism, or whatever it is, if they do not believe in Jesus, the Bible is very clear about that. So how is our response as Christians who believe what we say we believe? Are we being passive in our prayer life? Or are we being passionate in our prayer life? Are we waking up every morning praying like we never prayed before for that person we love? Because I just want to remind us because we forget sometimes. If we believe what we say we believe, then we know what's going to happen to the people that we love who aren't saved. So why aren't we praying more passionately for them? Why are we sitting on the sideline while the devil's going back to back, scoring end zone or touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, and we're not even getting in the game? We're just watching it and letting it happen. When you're passionate in your prayer life, you're praying for what you care about. Number 2B. What is the means of this character? How do we get this character that Paul is praying for? He says it right here in the first part of verse 11. He said, filled 
with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Who does it come from? How does a person obtain these things? Because he's acknowledging that the growth from the Philippians was not from him. It was from God. All he did was water. He planted it. He got it ready. God's the one that made it grow. And this fruit of righteousness is otherwise known as the fruit of the Spirit. Like, what says Jesus? Well, yeah, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And if you ever read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, this is the fruit that he's talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These are character traits that when you're following Jesus that you grow in. Now, you're not going to be perfect in any of these. But you're supposed to pray to get more and more of these in your life, to grow in more and more of these in your life. You have to pray passionately for them. And if you're lacking one of them, start praying harder for it. Now, I know a lot of people have always said, it's like a funny thing everybody says, don't pray for patience because you know what's coming. They also say that about humility, right? I'm going to challenge that today. And I know why they say it. I get it. I said it myself. But I'm going to challenge that today. I'm going to ask you to pray for patience. I'm going to ask you to pray for humility, knowing that that will be coming. Because when you go through those hardships in your life, when you go through those trials and the things that humility, the things you have to wait for, you want so bad, but you don't get it right now, and you got to wait through that, patience brings perseverance. It brings character. It makes you stronger. Humility makes you a better Christian. So if I got to suffer and go through some growing pains so I can grow a little bit faster and draw a little bit more closer to Christ, then instead of holding off on it and taking the easy route, I want to go through it right now. Instead of saying, God, no, I don't want to go through that. God, let me go through that. What do you want me to learn in the season? Take me through it. I know that's hard to hear. None of us want to hear that. And I'm not going to preach the, hey, you're going to get a million dollars today. Who won a million dollars? You won a million dollars. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to ask you to really pray to God and say, grow me. Grow me and have me do whatever you want me to do. Even if I don't like it, I know you know what's best for me. So do your will, God. And start praying for that. This is a game changer. But Paul, he illustrates this fruit. But this fruit is illustrated to show what Christ has done. But in order for that to work, the fruit has to produce, right? It has to produce what? Good fruit. Because nobody wants bad fruit. But good fruit produces more good fruit. And this is what he's praying for. Matter of fact, how many here uh, like orange trees? Anybody like oranges? You do? They sticky though, huh? All right. So imagine you're starving. You're hungry. And you see this orange tree right there. And this orange tree, man, you look, you're like, oh my, that's an orange tree. You're so hungry. But you see the orange. And it's when you finally get up there, you're hungry. You've been wanting it. But as soon as you see it, it's old. It's moldy. It's got bugs crawling in and out of it. 
No matter how hungry you are, you are not about to, you don't want no part of that orange. That's like in our life, everybody's hungry for something. They just don't know what it is, but it's Jesus. And they're hungry for it. They're searching for love in all the wrong places because they've been looking for this thing. They're so hungry for it and they don't know it. But every time they see a Christian, they see this rotten orange. Who, who, who wants to be a Christian when they look at your marriage and all you do is argue and fight? Who wants to be a Christian when all the Christians they see are gossiping about each other and fighting with one another and talking about each other? Who wants to be a Christian when they see you, you're cussing and, and, and you're flipping people off? Who wants to be a Christian when it's, wait, wait, I, I don't want none of that drama. I got no drama in my own life. That, that's this, 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 this life that you're talking about you want me to sign up for and die for? But what if they're hungry? What if they're hungry and they see this orange, this fruit, and this fruit is so ripe. Oh, it looks good. You smell it, and everything is good. I mean, what are they going to do to it? They're going to take a bite. They're going to want it, and they're going to want more of it. That's the point I'm trying to get at. Paul's praying for this. He's praying for good fruit because he knows that good fruit is going to attract more people to Christ. It starts off with the Philippians, then moves on to Colossians, then goes on and on and on and on and on. So in your life right now, what fruit are you? Have you been the fruit that when people look at your life, they don't want no part of? Or have you been the fruit where people see and say, man, I, I want some of that. I don't know what they have, but I want some of that right there. I need some of that in my life. You know, I, I know if, if, if Christian marriages never got divorced and people knew for a fact that if I was Christian, I would never get divorced in my life and I'd be happy, you know when people get converted that same day? Because their testimony. It's their fruit. But the fact is, I think Christians might even get divorced more than people who aren't Christians. They might even fight as much as people who don't even believe in God. And people see that. They watch that. So my challenge to you is, as Paul's praying for character, I'm praying for you. Are you going to show the fruit of the Spirit that people want? Are you going to sell something that you wouldn't even eat your own self? And lastly, we have number three purpose of it all. The purpose why Paul was praying passionately, the purpose why he was praying for them to grow in love, and the purpose why he was praying for them to grow in character. It all sums up to one point, to glorify God. That's all what it's about. And he says there, to glory and praise God is the reason for it all. It's the reason for everything you do. You ever wonder why you were put here on earth? It wasn't to be a CEO of a top 500 company. It wasn't to start a rock and roll band and be on all the TV shows and all the radio stations. You weren't even put here on earth for yourself. You were put here for a purpose. And that purpose was to glorify God. 
whatever gifts and talents you've been given to do that. You're supposed to get that, learn that, grow in that, and use that so that in your realm, in your circle of influence, you can glorify God in every area in your life. So I want to challenge you to glorify God when we leave this place by praying for others, but also for praying for yourself. And challenge you to act on your prayers. Because we didn't just learn on what he was praying for. We were learning on how this could work. And what you can do in your own life. How can you grow in your love? Through prayer. Through knowledge. Through discernment. And we even saw the fruit from that. And we also, how can you grow in character? By praying and growing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To be able to start Growing and maturing your faith through outlasting trials and tribulations by learning patience, learning humility, facing the hardships, and not just taking the easy route and grow. Pastor Pete once told me, hey, be careful. You want to grow fast, right? There's going to be some growing pains, and they're going to hurt, but embrace it. Embrace it, because this Christian walk ain't no cakewalk, but it's worth every step of the way. But how can we glorify God, though, if we don't speak to him? Remember, prayer is communication with God, but a lot of times we don't have time for that. How many we glorify God if we don't have time for him? Matter of fact, how do we glorify God if we're the only ones talking and we don't listen? God tells you, do he just interrupted God. You didn't even give him an opportunity to speak to you because you were too busy giving your whole list of demands Thinking God was this genie that you could just rub and say, I want wish one, wish two, wish three. You didn't give him the space to give him direction for your life. You were just trying to get him to co-sign on what you want him to do for you. How can we give glory to God if we don't have passion for prayer? Remember what he said. A Christian not having a passion for prayer is impossible as a human life without breath. What do you care about today? What's important to you? And what are you praying for? I want to challenge you with this. We're going to close. When we leave here today, or even while you're worshiping, I want you to think about somebody in your life that you need to start praying for. And not just praying. I mean praying, like fight praying, like you never prayed, like you're not going to stop knocking on this door, like you really, really want this. And then I want you to look at your own life And I want you to look at what fruit of the Spirit are you lacking on the most? Is it patience? Is it love? What is it? Start praying for God to grow that in you. And lastly, I want you to challenge to do what I started on Saturday morning. Try it. Because I'm not calling out names 
But everybody I talk to, about 90% of the people that I ask, how is your prayer life? They all say the same thing. Oh, pastor, I pray all day, every day. I want to challenge you to actually try it. To every moment of your life, you're talking to your wife, okay, you're talking to her, then you're going, all right, I'm praying. I'm praying. You might forget about it for a minute, and you might be doing something, and then you remember consciously, and you start praying again. You come up to a decision in your life, God, is this for me? It's not for me. And give them space and listen. You meet a person in your life, is this person going to lead me to God? Or are they going to lead me away from God? And watch what God does in your life by having a passion for prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we come to you, I know there's things that I need to grow on, and I'm asking you for those. I'm asking you to, to grow on, on the things, the fruits of the Spirit that, that I might be weak at, Lord. And I, I pray for the people in my life who don't know you. I pray for the people in my life who need you more than ever right now, Father God. And I pray for everybody in here. Lord, I pray for them, no matter what they're going through, Father God, you know what they're going through. Father God, I pray that you touch their heart today. That they call out to you, that they cry out to you, Father God, like they've never cried out to you before and have a passion to have a conversation with you. I pray that, that they can reach out to one of our pastors when they have trials and tribulations and we can pray together. I pray for our church that we can be a church of prayer. To not just meet up and, and, and say hello and hear the sermon and sing a song and leave, but that we can start praying, praying for every area in our life. Lord, give us the passion of prayer like Jesus had in the garden. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.